I love that video. I love the heart of kids. You know, we uh, always take the Sunday before Christmas to kind of celebrate children and the wonder that they have about the whole Christmas experience. The perspective of children is amazing. We're going to take a look at the perspective of shepherds today. We'll be in Luke chapter 2 if you want to open your Bible. We'll get there in just a minute. I'm going to ask the ushers to come take our offering right now. Uh, again, if you're a guest today, you're visiting East Point, feel, don't feel obligated to give. But for those of you that call East Point your church home, uh, give to continue to support what Jesus is doing here. You know, Christmas has always been marked by gift giving. Began with the wise men who showed up. I'm not sure they had diapers and wipes, but uh, according to the Bible, they had uh, precious gifts they gave to Jesus. And we tend to make Christmas about giving gifts to others, which is okay if we're reminding ourselves in the the process that we get the greatest gift of all from God. We're encouraging these pointers to give a special year and gift to Jesus this year. Uh, We have done this. I'm very proud of you guys every year. We've done this, and we've done a lot of different things. We raised money for wells. We've actually built wells in Guatemala. We've done things for missions and for living water, all sorts of other things. Uh, this year, we're going to take 10% of what we raise and give it to missions, but we're also going to use uh, the lion's share of it to finish uh, our home improvements. We've made some changes and, and, and some things that we've done here, both in this room and Adventureland. I think you've noticed the lobby. And we're trying to finish that up and uh, raising some money to do so. So I just encourage you to pray about giving a special gift uh, for the year in to make uh, our home even a better place that we would invite people to come and hear about him. Well, like I said, we're in Luke 2 this morning. We're gonna take a look at Christmas from the unique perspective of the shepherds. But to get there, I wanna start with a, a different approach, something you've probably never heard connected to Christmas before, but trust me, it works. How many of you have heard the story of Cinderella before? You've read Cinderella, you've come on, I know you all read it. Everybody's heard at least the story. You've watched the, the movie or you've read the story to your kids. It's probably one of the most cherished children's stories ever. And I think the reason for that, I have a sneaky suspicion, it is because of the way it makes us feel when we realize that someone who's been disenfranchised, someone who's been devalued by others, someone who has a terrible background and comes from poverty and hardships and struggle and abused by, by people, uh, tends, tends at the end to, to get recognized and in fact becomes a princess. A lot of us can relate, though, to our struggle. We struggle with self-worth. I talk to people all the time about this particular issue, and I've wrestled with it myself. We struggle with our value, our self-worth. And we wonder, if someone got to know the real me, and I hear this again and again, if I'm afraid if somebody got to know the real me that they wouldn't like me, in fact, they might reject me. I read about a group therapist who did an exercise with his groups, and he did this for years. And he called it top secret. That was what the exercise was. And what he would do is he'd take a blank piece of paper, hand it to people in the group, and he'd give them a pen and say, now I want you to write down the thing that you're least inclined to share. That's why it was called top secret. Write something that nobody else knows about you, something that you don't want anybody to know that's a secret. Don't sign it. Write it down and hand it in. He'd collect these things, and he said what he noticed over the years and years of doing this, that one of the most common, most frequently emerged answers, the, the thing that more often than not people said in one way or, or another was, I feel utterly worthless. No one would want me if they knew me. And he said again and again and again, hundreds of these over the years, people turn them in and they would say, I just don't feel like I have any value. I'm utterly worthless. Again, I think a lot of us can relate because like Cinderella, Maybe because of years of abuse, maybe because of struggle, maybe because of something going on in our lives, a physical or emotional or mental impediment, something, we feel crippled. We feel like Joshua the lamb. And so our self-image is damaged, and we feel utterly worthless to anyone, maybe even God. See, if you think people will reject you, then it's difficult at times to believe that God won't. We know people are broken and they're imperfect, and so we 
struggle to feel accepted by them, but we always translate you know, that to our relationship with God or to who he is. And we know he's perfect and holy. And we think, man, if people don't like me and, and they don't even know everything and God knows everything, then surely God is gonna reject me as well. There are people that struggle with this and they uh, oftentimes uh, believe that because of my sin, because of my failures, because of my history, my junk, I'm pretty sure God's gonna reject me. And those people, what they tend to do is that they, they uh, don't wanna have anything to do with God because of that fear. In fact, they really don't wanna have anything to do with Christ followers, again, because of that fear. They stay away from church. They stay away from people who call themselves Christians and they run from anything that might remind them of what they fear, their top secret, that I'm of no value to God. Others bury themselves in guilt and they just cover it with, uh, they beat themselves up, they tear themselves down, they feel unworthy to look God in the eye or to even try to approach him. And this isn't always true, but often those are the people who show up really late for church. <laughs> they don't wanna engage in worship singing because it's just too intimate, too vulnerable for them. And so they hide, they stay back. Others go to the opposite extreme and we all have people like this in our life. They play the skeptic. They struggle with value, self-worth. They know their sin. I, I am convinced they absolutely know what's going on inside of them, but they're the outspoken doubters. They're always quick to deny that God exists, and so they go on the offensive against God. To cover their stuff, to cover their fear, to cover their rejection, their fear of rejection, they just, they get bold and loud and, and go on the offensive. Lots of different reactions to our struggle with self-worth, our value. But what if we've got it all wrong? What if the Cinderella story really is true? What if it's not just a fairy tale, but a glimpse into a deeper story. What if there's something about that story that resonates with us because we see there's something more to it? Maybe it's the story of Christmas, a story of a poor baby born in a barn and laid in a manger. Maybe it's a story of how some low-life, despicable shepherds, and that's who they were, we'll see that in a moment, or actually the very first that God came to announce the birth of a Savior. Maybe the Christmas story, in a way, is a Cinderella story for us. Let's look at Luke chapter two. We'll pick up verse eight, Luke two, verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I want you to notice something here. In fact, it's the big thing that I want you to walk away with today. It's the first people that the angel went to. Notice here that in this story, who did they go to? Did the angel go to first to tell people about Jesus? He went to the shepherds. When God took human form in order to come back, to win us to himself, to build relationship with us, to show us a way back to God, who did he send the angels to first? To presidents, to kings, to the, the, the Pharisees, to the priests, to the religious, to those who are highly respected? No, he sent them to the least of the least. He sent them to the shepherds. He sent the angels to declare the good news to people in that day and age that were absolutely the bottom of the social ladder. Now, you've maybe heard this before. I've talked about it in years past, but you've gotta understand that in that day, shepherds were considered the very lowest of the low, low-class, unscrupulous people. They were nomadic, they were uneducated. They were distrusted. To the Jews, they were ceremonially unclean, and so a Jew couldn't even really have interaction with them because then they would become unclean. They were seen as being dishonest and disreputable. In fact, they were so despised that they were not even allowed to testify in court. Not even once, never, would they allow them in to testify because that's how distrusted they were. In a way, the shepherds were the Cinderella's of their time. That's what I want you to see. 
And yet the angel went first with the good news to the social outcast of that day. Don't miss that. He went to the sinners, to the broken, to the ones nobody gave a spiritual chance to. He went to the ones who were seen as worthless and the lowest of the low. At least the lowest on what they thought was God's who's who list. Why would God send an angel to the shepherds? But God put them first. You need to see that. God put them first. And that fact is a remarkable sign to all of us of God's value system. This is what I love about this. That from the very beginning of the story, the Christmas story, of the story of Christ's birth, of Jesus coming into the world, something that we could just gloss over and not even catch if we don't understand the historical relevance, that God sent angels to declare the birth of the Savior of the world to shepherds, to guys who were on the very lowest of the low when it came to value and worth in that culture. He chose the least, and it demonstrates for us God's value system. And by the way, for the record, it also demonstrates East Point's value system as well. You see, we extend a special welcome to the single, to the married, to the divorced, to the filthy rich and the dirt dog poor. You're welcome here if you're just browsing, if you're just checking it out. This is a safe place to ask good questions. You're welcome here if you woke up this morning and you were maybe a little hungover, or maybe you just got out of jail. You're welcome here. We welcome soccer moms, NASCAR dads, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters. We even welcome Pittsburgh Steeler fans. <laughs> it's true. We welcome those who are in recovery or those still bound by addiction. We welcome you if you're having problems and you're down on the dumps. Maybe this has been the hardest week of your life. Maybe you've been suicidal. Maybe you struggled. We welcome you here. We welcome you if you blew your offering last night at the casino. We welcome you here. You're welcome here if you don't like organized religion and you've had bad experience with Christians or with churches that you felt were trying to shove religion down your throat. We welcome you here. We welcome seekers and doubters at East Point. We welcome everybody. Why? Because that's what God did. Don't miss this. This, this is the big deal today. This is what I want you to walk out of here with. God welcome everyone. And that's proven in how he welcomed the shepherds. God's message went first and foremost to a bunch of riffraff shepherds. Losers, absolute losers. Losers, maybe like you and me. But what I love about the fact that this story demonstrates, and it does demonstrate God's value system and how he accepts us all, what I want you to see is there's more to it than just that. It didn't just end with, hey, by the way, guys, I like you. I, I accept you. You're welcome. That's not the entire story. Because if you read on, he told them exactly what Jesus could do and would be in their life. Look at verse 11 again. He said, today in the town of David, here it is, a savior has been born to you. A savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. The angels declared, not only are you accepted and demonstrated that by the fact that I'm here telling you and inviting you to come and see this savior, but who, who, who Jesus is will radically change your life. He said to these shepherds, he's a savior, and he's come for you, a savior, someone who would interact with the deepest needs of our lives, someone who would come to us when we're the most vulnerable and the most in need, someone who would rescue us from our deepest, darkest despair, who would rescue us from our secrets, rescue us from our fears, someone who would meet our biggest need of all, our need for mercy and grace and forgiveness, our need for a savior, a need to be forgiven because of our sin and our failures. 
Remember, Jesus said this when he was a full-grown man in his ministry. He said he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. He came to save it because the world needs saving. Because you and I need saving. The good news is God never rejects anyone. He never rejects us. He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to make a way for us to be forgiven. He accepts you. He accepts us. He embraces us. And then he offers us hope. I want to finish the story by looking, uh, let's pick up verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Verse 17, and when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Trust me, amazed because it was shepherds. You guys got to be there. That doesn't add up. And amazed because of what they've been told. Verse 19, but Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen, heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love the reaction, the response of the shepherds. They said, let's go. They were invited, come and see this miracle, see the Savior. And they said, let's go, let's see this thing that happened. And they hurried off to find the baby. And then after they saw Jesus, they went and told everybody, it says. Verse 20, they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd seen her. They told everybody, and then they stood and found themselves in this place of wonder, wonder, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. They were filled with wonder, why? Because the unwanted and the undesirable were loved by God and invited to be the very first witnesses of a Savior born to all people. Don't you think the shepherds knew better than anybody what it meant to be a shepherd? <laughs> Don't you think they lived their entire life with the rejection and the ridicule, with the looks? Don't you, you've gotta know that these guys, of all people, were the most surprised that God chose them to be a witness to this Savior, to this Messiah born for all people. But God chose the ordinary and the common and the rejected to demonstrate to us the good news, that the good news really is good news for everyone, even people like them, even people like you and me. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know if you feel like Joshua the Lamb, that you're crippled, that there's something about you that's not okay, that you know deeply in your heart that there's something off and you, you struggle and you wrestle with being accepted and feeling any value or self-worth, what you need to hear today is that Jesus came for you. And the angels would come to you and they would declare to you, go, go see, come and see the Savior who's born for you. One of my friends, uh, I love him dearly, and he's walking with Jesus, got a great family, it's amazing what God has done in his life. But in his late 20s, for uh, quite some time, he was actually homeless. Now, he uh, was homeless in L.A., and he's, he's told me this. He said, if you're gonna be homeless, L.A.'s better than Spokane, <laughs> which, you know, makes sense because of the weather. But being homeless is still being homeless, and it's miserable. But on top of the fact that he was homeless, he was an abusive uh, alcoholic. He, he struggled with a, a alcohol addiction, and it cost him everything. It cost him his job, cost him his family, cost him his marriage. And now he ends up, and he's on the streets, and he was there for months living on the streets of L.A. One day, a buddy of his told him about a church downtown L.A. that gave free coffee and free donuts to anybody who showed up. 
He thought, well, I never thought I'd darken the door of a church again, but for free coffee and free donuts, I'll, I'll risk it. And as Dave tells the story, and I love hearing this story from him, he says, I walked in, the very first thing that happened was I was greeted with this big, huge smile. And he said, that shocked me. Because I wasn't used to being greeted with a smile. I was downtown Friday with my wife. We went and saw Rogue One, which was pretty good, by the way. But we went to the movie. It's my day off. And, and we walked around inside, and we wanted to go to my coffee spot. And so we came down to the bus station. And you've been to the bus station. You know, there's a lot of riffraff, a lot of struggling people there. And I said to my wife, I said this as we walked out, I said, I'm gonna, my, one of my blogs in the near future is be how Jesus would hang out at the bus station. Because that's, that's, that's exactly what he would do. But my buddy, he said, man, I, I was used to being rejected, scorned, ignored, not treated nice by people at all. And I walked in this church, and he said, the very first person greeted me with a smile. And he said, and then people started hugging me. And he said, and I, he said, Kurt, I was not huggable. He said, I stunk. And he described how he stunk, and I won't tell you what he said. He said, I, I was inebriated, I was filthy, I stunk, and person after person in this church greeted me, hugged me, smiled, loved on me. So what did he do? He came back the next week. <laughs> Free coffee and a donut and more hugs and smiles. And he did this for weeks until one day, sitting in the very back of that church, my friend Dave gave his life to Jesus. It took some time. His life didn't turn around like that. But that moment where he said yes to Jesus began this, tr this transformation in his life that changed everything, changed him. Why did it happen? He would tell you. Because a bunch of Christians did this. They welcomed him. They loved him. They hugged him. They invited him in. For the first time in his life, he said, I felt loved and accepted. I told you the Cinderella story, and again, you might think, man, I've never heard that tied into Christmas in my life, but let me, let me finish it this way. I need you to understand that Jesus is the prince. He really is. Isaiah 9, he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace, and he's been pursuing, he's been looking for you He's been running all over, everywhere, searching for you. And here's what he says to you when he finds you. He looks at you and he says, the glass slipper fits just fine on you. It fits. Bye, heads, let me pray for you. Father, I am so grateful that you chose hundreds and hundreds of years ago to send the angels to declare the birth of Jesus, our Savior, to a bunch of low-life, low-class, riff-raff, unrespected, disenfranchised, troublesome guys. You chose them to be the first to announce a Savior's here. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that you still choose people like me. I know where I was at, God, when I was far from you and how angry I was and how stinky I was on the inside and how I was so far from you, and yet you welcomed me, you loved me, you chose me. You never, never re rejected me. God, I, I pray, I pray two things right now. One, I pray for those that are sitting here this morning that have struggled with wondering whether God would love them or reject them. I pray, Lord, that right now you would burn it into their soul. You're a loving God. Your love is ludicrous. You reach out to us, you embrace us, you accept us, you invite us to come. Just like you invited those shepherds to come, you invite us to come and see the Savior. And then, Lord, I pray for a lot of us who are here that maybe we've been walking with Jesus for weeks or months or maybe decades, and we still struggle with 
value, with self-worth, we still struggle wondering whether our secrets have kept us from you or have disqualified us from you. Lord, I pray that right now you'd break that power of that lie in our hearts. Lord, we're all broken. We're all crippled lambs. We're all in need of a Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would just set some of my friends free today from the fear of rejection, the fear of, of struggling with their value, their self-worth, and that you would show them, Lord, that you sent Jesus, your one and only, your best gift ever, because you value them, because they have value, worth to the God of God and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm asking you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as Christ's follower, but you've been searching, you've been investigating, and I told you, you're welcome here, and we will never twist your arm, we'll never force you to do anything. But if you're here today and you know in your gut, it's time, it's time to say yes. It's time to choose Jesus. It's time to say yes to the invitation. God's saying, come and see Jesus. Come and see him. Come worship him. And it's, you know it's an invitation and it's time. You get it. It's time for you to say yes to begin your life to Christ's follow. I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. And I'm gonna ask you to make this prayer yours right now, to make this the cry of your heart to God. Father, thank you that you value me, that you love me, that you send Jesus for me. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying and thank you for living now for me. And right here, I surrender my life, every bit of it, every part of who I am, past, present, future, all of me, I just, I give it to you. And I receive the greatest gift ever given, the gift of forgiveness, grace, mercy, the gift of life, eternal life. I receive that today. And I believe, I believe in you. And I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. If that's your heart, just in your own way, say, yep, God, that's what I want. And the Bible says that moment you do, you become his child. You're his. You're his. Lord, thank you for those who are making that decision today whether they're in this room or watching online, thank you for those that are choosing to say yes to you. But I pray, Lord, that all of us would leave here today knowing how deeply loved and deeply valued we are because of you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're gonna finish with one last song. It's one of my favorites. And it's a song that declares what God has done for us, what he's done for you. Let's worship together and I'll come back and wrap it up. Wow, to the one who's rescued my soul. Today, if you began your life as Christ's follower, welcome. Welcome to the family. I want to walk with you in this journey. Two weeks from today, there's a baptism service, 11 o'clock, right here. What a great way to start the new year. Get baptized in water. Just plan on, sign up, get online, call us. We'll, we'll get you ready to do that. On the tables by the doors, there's plastic bags. Got a Bible, some trinkets, starting walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. Again, it's there to help you. There's lots of these left as well, these uh, invite cards. Guys, here's the deal. Here's the thing. Why don't we do this? Why don't we make these available to you? Well, it really is. Not just so you can put it on your refrigerator with a magnet. It's so that you can invite a friend, a family member. We've actually been praying for two people to invite at least two people. And here's the deal. Do you realize that your invitation could have an eternal difference, make an eternal difference in their life? What if they show up? What if they hear about God's love? What if something happens in their heart? And what if that changes their eternal destiny? That's why we're asking you to pray and give these things away. And there's more uh, on the tables to get to pick those up. 
One last thing I wanna mention about uh, getting your help for Christmas. You guys are great. Thank you for lots of you, hundreds of you have signed up to serve in different ways. Uh, we've got about five or 10 more people we need in Adventureland. And I, I, there's a clipboards in the back and the table straight back by the sound booth. Uh, we need about uh, that many people to help with our greeters as well, especially at the seven o'clock on Christmas, Adam. That's a standalone service and it's a real, you get extra bonus points in heaven if you serve that one, because it's a standalone service. But uh, we need help with the greeters and a lot going on. And then um, a few more people to help with security as well so we can keep everything safe around here during the, the uh, services. Prayer team's down front, communion's available on both sides of the room. Uh, I want you to encourage you, be praying this week. Pray for the worship team. They're gonna be here a big chunk of the today uh, during a tech rehearsal and then here Thursday night for rehearsal. And then we got Friday night service at seven and then two on Saturday. And guys, just be praying for the team, be praying for your neighbors and pray that it doesn't have a, we don't have a blizzard. Uh, with that being said, I love you guys. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here today. Bye-bye.